Hey Fandas, we're coming up on the series review of Keenan and Kel. Tell us about your favorite episodes. On Anchor, you can leave a voice message there. You could email us, keenankelpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to incorporate you in our series finale episode. Yeah, so tell us your favorite moments, your favorite episodes, things that you love about Keenan and Kel, things, uh, memories that you have of the show, and maybe some of your favorite Keenan and Kel with Adam and Aaron episodes. Let us know what you think. You can go to anchor.fm slash Keenan Kel podcast, and you should be able to leave a voice message for us, or like Adam said, Keenan Kel podcast at gmail.com. Send us a line. We would love to incorporate you in our series finale. You know, we're starting to think that this Arthur is not the nicest fella. He's cutting everybody's heads off. What? Oh, hey, hello, Leo, Nancy. How you doing? All right. (laughs) You guys doing okay? Huh? I asked you a question. Why are you ignoring me? Huh? Kel, they're not ignoring you. Those are just their heads. Oh. Oh. It hurt when they pulled your head away from the bitch. Would you forget about them? Help me untie the wheels. It's... All right. Oh, which Welcome back to the final episode of Keenan and Kel, part three of Two Heads Are Better Than None on this podcast of Keenan and Kel with Adam and Aaron. My name is Aaron, and I wish I did that in one full breath, but I didn't. <laughs> well, and my name is Adam. We're here at the end of Two Heads Are Better Than None, the Keenan and Kel TV movie, uh, the horror comedy, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein-esque adventure uh, as the comedy duo find themselves uh, facing off against a headless knight. Quick recap. Uh, Keenan and Kel are on a road trip. Kel uh, tagged himself onto the Rockmore's family cross-country trip. To where? We don't know. <laughs> but along the way, they have encountered a legend of a headless knight that has been haunting Keenan along the way. Uh, their car broke down because Kel stole wires out of it. <laughs> and um, then Keenan and Kel went off their own to get help. Uh, unfortunately, the only town, Rockville, has a mansion with a spooky guy named Arthur in it, and a giant butler named Chives, and an eyelidless lady called Bethel. Eyelidless. Yes. Keenan and Kel, the Shelleys, who have been like kind of recurring characters in the in this trip, as well as uh, a couple, Harold, what's the other one? Nancy and Grandpa Leo, the grumpy old uh, Hollywood star, uh, are all sitting to dinner. Uh, Nancy was told, instructed to wash her hands when she was grabbed by chives in the hallway. That's where we last left off. So after we ha- we see that little clip in this what happened previously on, uh, we go right to the theme song, which just is, I mean, I think the theme song in the middle of all of this just kind of says where we're at with this TV movie. It just doesn't fit. Whatever's happening is is not Keenan and Kel. And while we understand that, we're going to continue, obviously, because this is Keenan and Kel content. But that kind of just juxtaposition there, mm. it threw me off. Uh, for, especially for this last part, I was like, you know, it just doesn't feel right. And this is why. It's been repackaged in a poor way because you're getting further and further and further from Keenan and Kel as we like literally are in a haunted mansion. And it's all been built up and that's good. But then to be reminded that, oh, yeah, this started with Coolio singing. And then, like, dancing in the streets with him. And we're about to see the most absolutely preposterous episode of the show, (laughs) especially considering the universe that we have set over 64 episodes. So it's for me, it's very upsetting because I'm somebody who loves continuity and I love world building. And the world has been built. It has been established by writers, by directors, by production teams, by Keenan and Kel themselves, by all the actors 
uh, this universe has been created, it's been loved, and now we're just about to shatter it. Yeah, it's very shrugged off, is the way I would put it. It's like, you know, oh yeah, Keenan and Cal can do whatever. <laughs> yeah, this story can be about this. They're treating them like cartoons. So, well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about it. So, at the dinner table, they hear Nancy's screams, and uh, Arthur is trying to play it off. He's kind of posh British gentleman, he's just like, it was probably the wind, or thunder, or a lawnmower. Meanwhile, everybody else is recognizing that they heard the scream. <laughs> yes, he's just like, you know, having none of it. He's like, I just eat your food. And as the trade lifts up, uh, what does the food look like? I do want to make a disclaimer. Um, oh. Arthur doesn't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's your best Arthur voice? He just sounds like a person. Oh, okay. He's like, uh, yeah, uh, here's some meat. Well, that sounds like you. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It just sounds like he doesn't have a British accent, but they are ready to eat. They're like, okay, fine. We heard a scream, but we're all just going to ignore it, play along because the host told us to. Um, so he tells you to eat. Relax. They all lift the metal covering off their plates. And what do they see, Adam? Uh, it looks like a, like a, I would call it a pork shoulder, but it's definitely, it's the way that it's lit, the way that it's colored. It looks very unappetizing and very uh, exotic. When they ask him what it is, it's like, what is this? Uh, well, first, Grandpa Leo says his food looks older than I am. Which was funny. Yeah, that, that, that's a good bit. Uh, he says, it's meat. And Keen's like, uh, from a cow, a horse, or a pig, or, or human? And I assure you, it's meat. Yeah, I assure you, you know, meat. And uh, and Adam, I was honestly having a hard time watching this scene. Really? I was like, what? Like, I don't know, just the thought of eating human meat. I, I think it, it disturbs me... <laughs> On on an appropriate level of of like I'm you know what I mean like yeah yeah I, I know that that's a real human fear I'm not disturbed by a lot of things you know especially like gruesome things <laughs> uh, I'm just not but yeah this one's a little bit a little bit disturbing so are you saying that you didn't find it funny when Kel just starts <laughs> like really chewing down on and going to town. No, no, I, did, I did not find it funny that Kel is just eating a a human that was that was viciously killed in this haunted I, mansion. I don't find it funny. I find it actually rather disturbing. This is a show. This is a show where we sell pepperoni and cold cuts at the local corner store. Like like we've gone from that to. Uh, oh yeah, there's this haunted mansion in this abandoned town with this headless knight who kills people and then he feeds his victims human meat. Like, it's Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know, man. Oof. Yeah, no, I, I'm laughing at just the absurdity. I understand the absurdity, but I like the absurdity of the chimpanzee playing Stevie Wonder. Like, that's the kind of Keenan yes. and Kel absurdity that I'm, I'm expecting and hoping for. Absolutely. And yeah, this doesn't even, I don't think this matches like the, like I said, the meets Frankenstein and Dracula. You don't like, think? Vibe. It's like, come on! This would be out of place in that t kind of special. It'd be out of place everywhere. <laughs> like, this is one of those, like, I can't believe this ha like got through Nickelodeon. That's okay. kind of kind of the point I'm making. Anyways, uh, Keenan is, is obviously kind of aware of the situation. And then he says his line from the first episode, Kel and I are vegetarians. Oh, yeah, good good callback. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kel is, is chowing down. <laughs> yeah, he's a Bethel girl, you can cook at my house. <laughs> yeah, he says. You, Bethel really knows how to cook. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arthur says, Leo, I think it's time for you to go to the bathroom. And uh, then Leo gets up and goes, the Shelleys say, can we trouble you for some ketchup? Because <laughs> those Shelleys just love ketchup. <laughs> I do I do love that. That is like, yeah. th that's their fixation. They just are ketchup fiends. You'd think they'd have some more ketchup if they love it so much. It's hard to tell because I've seen this so many times, but I feel like I'm one showing, I would have assumed that like a fake blood ketchup scare was going to come from them. I, th I thought that too. Yeah, imagine if Keenan Cal runs in the hallway and they're just like covered in blood and they're like, oh no, it's like, no, no, it's ketchup. <laughs> right, yeah, like there could have been a ketchup prank in there. This episode's about a, a murderer who eats people. Uh, so, uh, Arthur takes a, a, a drink of water. What does Keenan notice about this situation? Uh, there's water squirting out of his neck. Yes. Uh, in a very unhuman type way. And Keenan does his big eyes. Tries to get Kel's attention. Uh, and he says, excuse me a moment. He leaves, goes in the back with Bethel. Oh, oh come, Bethel. 
What happens back here? Well, Keenan's trying to explain to Kel what's going on. Like, his neck is leaking, and then Kel sees it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, in the back, he's basically just saying to Bethel, like, after tonight, I'm never wearing this head again. And he takes it off, and then she gets it, like, screwed back on correctly. Now, like, I'm sorry, but I don't think the way that he should have been revealed as, like, most definitely the headless knight is in this like kitchen of this sitcom-esque scene this is a very sitcom like like way of delivering this knowledge it's so lazy like if you're going with the horror theme or you could go like there's a better comedy version of this one where like maybe he walks through the door and you see like the door swinging and slowly it looks like you know bethel's like helping with his head in the background maybe keenan sees it and he's starting to freak out and tell people when he can't right yeah there could have been something a bigger build-up than just the water squirting out of the neck Mm -hmm. uh chives arrives and he and tells and says um you know when asked if he's if they've the other guests have been put in the dungeon he nods and agrees Meanwhile, back in the dining room, they're trying to come up with the Headless Knight story from, like, Keenan talking about it. They're like, oh, what was that one? Was that one with the, with the princess that gets, like, frozen with her lips? Yeah, the one that marries the frozen princess. Like, they mm. kiss, and yeah. The Wilsons are not seeing the immediate threat of the situation. Maybe it's the fact that they are wearing matching outfits of pink t-shirts with denim overalls. They speculate Arthur returns. The head-taking-off scene actually comes after they're, like, kind of speculating. And yeah, it's just this... That's really disturbing, right? Because, okay, instantly, as soon as Bethel, who doesn't have eyelids, by the way, uh, just a reminder, takes off Arthur's head, you, you have you have broken many laws of the Keenan and Kel world. I do want to point out, and this is purely from our speculation, is that this isn't the first magical elements that the show's ever dabbled in. That is correct. Yes. Uh, we had a whole episode about uh, Keenan thinking that one of their classmates was a witch, and Chris having way too much information that any mortal should about witches and witchcraft. And uh, we have much speculated that his mother was, in fact, a witch. So, Adam, there is no spell that does this. That <laughs> animates no... a body separate from its, its, its the, the brain. It's to what you're saying about, uh, about how rules are being followed and, so, and like rules are being broken. The Headless Knight, the way he acts in this in the second half of this movie, and this always bothered me, Every, even since when I was a kid I watched this, the head shouldn't be also have a personality and be independent of the body. And everything that we've seen in the movie so far, it should be that the body is where the voice is coming from, there's no head, it's where everything is, but the head, Arthur's head is still active and doing stuff and, like, you know, animated. I don't get it. I don't... Like, isn't the bit that he wears other people's heads? Well, Adam, I could explain how that might work on a physiological level, but this is so ridiculous that uh, mm-hmm. that does, that doesn't work. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is that the movie up until this scene, it's all about how the headless knight is the body, not the head. And then after this, it's like, oh, the headless knight is the head, not the body. Well, the headless knight, when Keenan saw him. And he was holding his head in a helmet. Mm, yes. So he's the oh, headless think... headless knight, but he still has the head with him that could speak. Got it. So that was Arthur's head there. I don't know how you speak, though, when your head is detached from your larynx. Also, this movie doesn't explain why he was out there following Keenan around. It would have been, yeah, like way, way far, like so far away. So far away from where they are right now. They drove at, like, minimum six hours. Yeah, why was he out there? And they slept in a hotel. No, this was two... That was two days ago. Yeah, that was two days ago and, like, two full days of travel. Roger had been driving six hours from the last gas station. Maybe Roger got really lost and went the wrong way. (laughs) But, I mean, like, how can you be driving the wrong way for that long? Don't you realize, like, the sun is supposed to be at this spot and... I don't know. That must be the only explanation. Roger... It started driving backwards. <laughs> I think out. that's that's about all we can work with. <laughs> that's yeah, right. It starts to fall apart, and unfortunately, because the rest of the movie kind of hangs on this, these ideas, the rest of the movie's a little like shaky. Yes, you could say that. Let's keep going through the events as they occur here. Basically, uh, Arthur returns to the table and says, "Headless Knight Legend." Now that's nonsense. Just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> Playing it real cool, Arthur. He says, uh, it's raining harder than pickled tuna out there. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, that's, I don't know what that is. Didn't, uh, didn't Shelly say that? Yeah, that's what the Shelly says. Uh, so um, Arthur proposes, like, I guess you all have to stay the night. And uh, Cal is excited. He says, slumber party. 
But Keenan is not excited. He's scared. Going along here, we get this really creepy laugh from Arthur. And uh, and Keenan seems to be the only one who's trying to, trying to like, get out of there. So he's like, oh, I should probably go get my parents now. Uh, he's like, no, of course not. And Chives shows up and says, like, one of his two lines. What does he say here, Adam? Uh, he says, okay, people, line up behind me, single file. Yeah, he makes a deal to say single file. Mm-hmm. They, they ask where the two people who left the table have gone. And Arthur says, like, you know, oh, it's a big house. They got lost, I guess. It's like, it's your house. Why are you not concerned? <laughs> yeah, they could be somewhere where you don't want them to be. So uh, I think uh, Harold is taken aside. And uh, that's the last we see of him. What's the what's our next bit here? Uh, we go back to the car, right? Yeah, um, we go back to the car. Roger has uh, been standing in the rain for an entire week. <laughs> unresolved. Right, we, yeah, that, that, I, like Several we hours. we haven't we haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. He just got a, a, struck by lightning twice, and then that was it. So now he's trying to fix the car in the midst. I, like, of course, I guess he got the luggage inside, and so he's yeah. trying to fix the car. He's just done with it. He's like, I'm already soaked. I've already been struck by lightning. So he uh, he's like, Cheryl, start the car, and then oil just squirts up at his face, which I don't know what on earth. <laughs> It was probably like chocolate milk in a, a water gun. It's, it's the same thing that they poured on Mark Cram. Remember that oil? <laughs> that they... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Nothing like a good oil prank. <laughs> yeah. You know, our, our favorite moment from season three. <laughs> Not like the worst moment of the whole show. <laughs> yeah, basically. Thanks for calling us back to that, Adam. You're welcome. The Keenan and Kel are now in their room. Yep. Kel's jumping up and down on the bed because he just, that's just what he does. And Keenan is pacing back and forth. He's putting together all the pieces. He's really Sherlock Holmes in it. Kel is still just denying there's no such thing as the Headless Knight, even though there's at least five clues at this point. Yeah, uh, and they hear another scream. Kel goes, you're just letting your feeble imagination get the best of you. And then Keenan goes, uh, what about the guy in the woods then? Yeah, what about the knight in the headless suit of armor? Huh? Uh, and what about the leaky neck? Uh, what about the fact that the, we're, we're in Rockville, man? Uh, what about the scream? What about the scream? And then we hear another scream. <laughs> and Kel's like, how do you know that that's going to happen? Right. And he's like, I didn't. That was a new scream. Uh, and then instantly, Kel's like, okay, maybe this is. Like, let me get this straight. You're upset about the scream we heard at dinner. You're upset about the scream that we just heard. Uh, <laughs> you're upset about screaming. And the kid's like, yes. Like, then why are you screaming? Like, well, we have to find out where it came from. And so now, Keenan and Kel are kind of on the same page, finally. They're like, yes. we should figure out where that scream came from. Because if somebody's in danger, we need to find it. This was an important scene to kind of realign them. Versus the dinner scene where Kel was off doing his own thing. Versus the Tales from the Clip episode where they nearly lost their friendship. Yes. No, it's Keenan and Kel. They're best of buds. They're on the same side. They're in a haunted mansion. Uh, Keenan goes to the door and it's locked. This is a good exchange because he goes, it's locked. The door? No, the sandwich. Of course the door. <laughs> Finally, we have like a Keenan and Kel only scene. Right? Like we, yes. we didn't have one since last episode when we were walk. they were walking together. Um, I, and I then, think this was missing. Yeah, this was definitely missing. You know, because they're on the family field trip or, or whatever. So it's just not, not enough Keenan and Kel. So they go over to open the window to see if they can climb out of the window. And it's just bricked up. There's just a bunch of bricks. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Amsterberg house. <laughs> yeah, right. When we see the bricks, Keenan goes, ah! And we get a zoom in. <laughs> it's like It like shows Keenan's whole, whole figure and then it was zoom into like his face. It's like, ah! I, I will say, uh, judging from the fidelity of some of these shots and, like, a couple, like, grains, this was filmed on film. They didn't do it, like, for video like the rest of the series. Okay. So it, it, the quality's a little up. And you can tell, Keenan Kel look great, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Versus some of the episodes we've seen. It definitely comes out great. So Kel's losing it because he realizes he's, <laughs> he's trapped. So what does he do, Adam? He uses his head. Uh, specifically, he runs at the door and crashes through it with his head. Which was pretty effective, because uh, for for a scary mansion, these doors are pretty thin. These aren't old oak doors. This is really like dry, dry wood. Really a, a s- stupid, uh, stupid door. But anyways, <laughs> Kel's head breaks through, and then he goes back, and then they, they like climb out. They're like, which way did the scream come from? This way. And Kel goes, let's go the other way. And Keenan's like, no, <laughs> come on, man. We got to go. They go. They're walking down the hallway. And uh, you see the silhouette of Chives behind him. It's a it's a pretty spooky scene, right? Yeah, definitely. Because Chives is huge. He's like seven feet tall. Yeah, and bald. Like and Roger. Ba- and bald-headed. 
The only match for Chavs in this universe would be Roger. Yeah, and I, I want to say this is, This seems like a direct allusion to the advocate could sell a bit, but they're walking, then Cal says, wait, I think I dropped my shoes. And he bends over and he misses as Chives like grabs above him. Um, and then Kel goes over and sees these books on the wall with this like cabinet. And then he opens like the glass cabinet door and it slams Chives head. And he just closes it. So it's, just, you know, trying to put some funny in the terrifying. Uh, they go down the stairs. They pass an old phone on the wall. And uh, I noticed that in this basement, big new sets. This, they do a really good job making the mansion feel like enormous. Yeah, they do. They do, right? So they, they walk past that phone. They walk through the dining room. They walk through the den or the study. In the dining room, there's a lot of, um, like, you know, candelabras with lit candles. And this one, they've got a bunch of, like, screw-in light bulb ones. Yep. <laughs> then we have a domino effect with these books. So, like, for some reason on this on this one table, just, like, a bunch of books stacked up like dominoes. And Keener or Kel accidentally hits it. They fall down. They knock this ball into this globe. The globe falls on the ground, and, like, it's making a lot of noise, and they're trying to sneak around. Yeah, so they're all, like, every every time something hits, like, it, Keen gets, like, more, like, cringes further. So the the globe is on the ground. Kel re- goes to try to grab it to make it stop making noise, uh, and then the globe hits the uh, suit of armor. Mm-hmm. The suit of armor spins and then fires an arrow. From a crossbow. Across From a crossbow that goes right in front of Kel's face. Yeah, Kel almost died right there. Yeah. Might be the closest Kel's ever gotten to death. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like my my main, my heroes almost dying. Actually, I don't know. This is some adventure. It is the hero's journey that they're going on since Roger yeah. sent them out on their mission. That actually is kind of how this episode is written. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. Like, straight through. I mean, Keenan's like, you know, in a... <laughs> he's been, like, fighting this all, this whole time, and things have gotten worse and worse and worse. This is bad. The arrow's right in front of him. But then what Kel does is he pulls the arrow out, and they're kind of, like, looking at it like, oh, okay, is that it? Are things over? And then the glass of, like, the cabinet just starts breaking on its own. Yeah. It's a pretty funny gag. Yeah, making tons of noise. They hit this um, candle on the wall, torch, and it opens a secret passageway. Right behind a bookcase. But before they go down it, Arthur shows up. (gasps) And he's like, what are you doing here? And, uh, they, I, I mean, okay, this, they got this part of Keenan and Cal, right? It's like, you know, that we've talked about this in many episodes about how Keenan always has, like, the worst excuses. Yeah, this was funny. It's like two minutes straight of Keenan coming up with excuses. Yep, yep, exactly. So it's just like, like, they're just improving excuses, and it is really funny. Yeah. Need to read a book, you know, left my wallet somewhere, I'm, I'm sleepwalking. Uh-huh. Uh, you wanted to, you wanted to meet us down here, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, you're dreaming. You're dreaming right now. We needed to get some stamps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our room smells funny. You were actually not here. <laughs> yeah, you're dreaming. Wake up, Arthur. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, "Okay, for for real though, for real though." Oh, they talk about sleepwalking and snacks. We got, right? we got a little hungry, and we thought the bathroom was. Oh wait, hold on. This is a really good line. Well, well, the truth. Okay, for real though, uh, we got a little hungry, and we thought the bathroom was behind this bookcase, which turns out, ah, as Arthur approaches them. Yeah. And then, then, then this is hysterical. This is funny. Keenan grabs a book and throws it at Arthur's head, and it flies off like instantly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really something. It took like one second. Yeah, he throws it, just pops right off. He shouts from the ground like, your heads are next. Grab me, buddy. Yeah, and you just cut to Arthur's head on the ground talking to them. Uh, the the effect whenever you see just his head is always bad. Yes. Uh, but uh, they head down the uh, the dungeon stairs. As they're freaking out, just grabbing each other and hitting each other. Yeah. Oh dear, oh god. Commercial break. Uh, and who did they find at the bottom of the stairs? After the commercial break, um, oh. they find the Shelleys. Yeah, uh, Lady Shelley is in an electric chair. Yes, she's strapped to an electric chair. <laughs> yes, that's very scary. And uh, a, a dude Shelley is uh, <laughs> in like the stockade. Yeah, he's in like a guillotine t- type uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, they're like, oh, look, it's it's Keenan and Kel. Thanks for the ketchup. <laughs> Or whatever. <laughs> Lady Shelley says, this is not a highlight of our vacation. Yeah. They're like, we thought he was nice, but it turns out he's kind of mean. He's cutting everybody's heads off. And then you see 
on the table, there's Harold, Leo, and Nancy's heads. I I was very upset to see this. <laughs> and like Cal's like walking past them and they're dead. They He's were killed in this movie. Hey, how you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Huh? <laughs> I asked you a question. Why are you ignoring me, huh? And it's like Cal is, clearly doesn't understand what's happening. <laughs> well, Cal doesn't understand a lot of things. I understand that he doesn't understand death. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, no, he, he probably thought, like, his goldfish, like, flew away when he was <laughs> a kid. Uh, and then uh, Keenan's like, trying to trying to focus on his attention. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Like, would you forget about them? Like, help me untie the Wilsons. And, and so it's like, oh, yeah, these extras. Yeah, they just died. But just, just forget <laughs> yeah, they about were just, it. They were just killed. I get it, in though. This... It's like, okay, good, Keenan. Like, we're, we're on task. It, it was funny, too, because earlier in the kitchen, he's like, are they in the dungeon now? I'm like, ah, okay, yeah. No, they're in the dungeon. They'll be rescued at the end. <laughs> no, they're... They were in the dungeon and their heads got chopped off. That's insane. Exactly. Nickelodeon, the year 2000. It's terrible. It's terrible, frankly. I, I'm really... Uh, and there's also, like, these mannequin heads behind, like, in the back. And yeah. I'm I'm very upset with how this is going. Because this is a, a children's show. And it could have been about something real. It could have been about something with a lesson, with a moral. It could have tied up the series nicely. It could have included our favorite extras. It could have included our favorite sets and scenes and characters. It could have tied up the series that we love so much. But instead, it does this ridiculous story of this headless knight who goes around killing people. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, they go to, in, like, the comedy classics, they do, like, Monsters You Know. It's like Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula. Like, those were the Abbott Costello was special. This, they made up the Headless Knight. They, they chose to do this Headless Knight story. Yeah, he didn't have to kill or eat people. He didn't have to chop off heads. Yeah, he but, but he does. It's just this, uh, it's terrible. It's frankly, frankly, it's terrible. Like, I, I just don't like it. I don't yeah. like it. I, I, I would prefer the uh, the legend of Chris's mother. Yes, thank you. I was about to say, like, <laughs> we could have seen Chris's mother. She could have been this, like, like final boss of Keenan and Kel. <laughs> she could have, like, really, like, made them feel bad about, like, messing things up at some point. Or... And she's, like, consuming Chicago. Or yeah, or she could have, like, helped, uh, she could have helped them grow up or something like that. Like, she, they could have gotten wisdom from her. Or... Something at the climax of the movie involves Keenan, he has to go to Rigby's and do his job properly to like save the day. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Like that's a, that's the struggle. So we're clearly gonna do more of, of Keenan and Cal in the future, and still our own ideas. I definitely think we should do our own pitch of a Keenan and Cal movie that tops this one. I think so. But look forward to that in the future, fantas. For now, let's talk more about uh, two heads are better than improper. So um, they're trying to unstrap the Wilsons, and Arthur comes downstairs, grabs Kel. And is just kind of thrashing him around because he's way bigger than him. Okay, so this is the part of the movie that I do like a lot uh, because it it finishes Keenan's arc. It's a very tiny arc. It just the ball got slightly off the ground, but uh, Roger tells him like, you know, you got to be brave. You got to do this. We're counting on you. And there's a like a half second look on Keenan's face where like he looks serious and he's like, get off him. He wrestles the headless knight, the man who's he's been afraid of the entire movie, this monster. Uh, that, that's, you know, terrorized the, the countryside. And he wrestles him to get him off Kel, his best friend. It's a blink and you miss it, nice scene, but you, like, and, you know, it's immediately bookended by, like, jokes and stuff like that. But I, I'm like, I, it made me realize, like, oh, okay, Keenan does do something. He does step up to the plate in this opportunity. And I don't think he's really shown as being afraid for, like, the rest of the, the movie. Right, uh, so... Following that awesome moment, he takes this mannequin head and and throws it at Kel and says, "You take it." And Kel looks at him and he says, "No, you take it." And then the Globetrotters theme starts playing and they're passing this guy's head back and forth. And it's it's so uh they like they could have painted the bottom of this mannequin head so it looked like black or something. But you can tell so much it's a mannequin head, but it's really supposed to be Arthur's head. Yeah. Um. So Adam, whatever moment that was that you were talking about, that was really nice and great and heroic. Uh, for me, it's just overshadowed by the tomfoolery of this of this <laughs> plot. It's kind of we're at the point now where we're like, okay, how is this gonna end? Tomfoolery. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's a word, right? That's a, that's like a Mark Twain word. Oh yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, they play monkey in the middle with him. He bites Kel's hand. Uh, Kel throws his wall head against the wall, and uh, they grab the axe and they, and they start running. 
Yeah, it's really creepy when they show like Kel looking at at the guy's head, and it's like the real actor's head, mm-hmm. and like biting him. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that. So they run down the hallway. It's the Shelleys and Keenan and Kel, and they are stopped by <laughs> a Chives and Bethel. I, I recall this was, this scene was used a lot in advertisements for. Her. I remember that actually. Y- you do really. I remember seeing this commercial <laughs> at some point in time. That must have been one of my first memories, to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I remember seeing the ad for this. Yo, we're not leaving through this door. Okay, do you know another door that we leave through then? <laughs> That's the back and forth. Yeah. Uh, Beth- Bethel's got a sword. Chives has a, a, a flail. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, medieval flail. Okay. So Keenan grabs this, this uh, heroically, grabs this wooden cane out of the cane holder and goes to slam it at Chives. And it shatters to splinters <laughs> to, like, 100 pieces. And he's like, oh, okay. He goes back, he tries again, he pulls a stick this time, and he slams against him, and it breaks. Meanwhile, nobody else is moving. <laughs> yeah, it's... And he grabs the cane holder and throws it against him, and that also doesn't work. Yeah, Chives is a brick wall. <laughs> and what do the Shelly say? We'll take it from here, boys. And uh, and then we have this little clip here of, of uh, Shelly, female Shelly, uh, who's in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. uh, stand up hobble over to Bethel and Chives and then uh, Mr. Shelley going over and then they uh, they beat the crap out of them. She takes off her like her um, cast and starts beating Bethel with that and Chives it's sped up so it looks like it's happening really fast but yeah no it's like a minute of them just beating up the, the henchmen. And it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's very it, it, funny. Right? It's amusing. Amusing. And they go, let's go, boys, as they're tying up Chives and... And Bethel. Yep. Yeah. With their fanny packs and overalls. It's a fun bit. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's the next day. Yes, it is. And uh, somehow, I don't know how the timing worked there, but Roger is very frustrated because he still can't fix the car. Fortunately, he has someone there that could, that's an expert at this kind of thing. Kyra. Kyra's uh, most critical moment in the show's history she goes, look, because of the fact that the wires are broken mm-hmm. uh, and the starting coil isn't al- in alignment with the distribution valve, let me use my bobby pin to conduct some electricity and, uh, and let's see if it works. Start the car. That was a really weird car starting noise, but... Uh, <laughs> it works. It does work. I, I have to mention that every time we see Kyra, she's like 15. <laughs> And canonically, she's like twelve in this. She ages every scene. Yeah, it's, it's very funny. But uh, and that's the that's the bit. That's like the one other piece of Kyra is that oh, she actually solved this car car problem before her dad did. So I'm glad that she's not as uh, hated by the world as her father. And I, I see a bright future for her. Keenan, on the other hand, <laughs> is destined to make Roger's mistakes again. Exactly. That's nice. Okay, Kyra got the car working. Hmm. I just don't like how it's, like, midday. Yeah, we we really just fast-forward through the night, I guess. I, I, yeah, but, like, when? It was the middle of the night, and they went downstairs, and they just had the fight with Arthur, escaped, and then they had the fight with Bethel and, and Chives, and then what? I don't disagree, yeah. Unless they, like, went downstairs at, like, I don't know, 4 a.m. <laughs> They're just up all night, like, talking and pacing. Yeah, it doesn't. The timeline is totally skewed. You, you got a really good point there. Uh, Keenan and Kel and the Shelleys run out to like the front gates, and it's locked. We saw that hooded figure lock it earlier. Which was probably <laughs> Bethel, by the way. Oh yeah, that, you probably got it right. Uh, Keenan says, it's locked. And then Kel goes, the door? No. The sandwich? <laughs> so, I, I, I like that callback. I think it's good. It's a good callback. Um, out comes an angry Arthur with an axe. Mm-hmm. He, and he growls. Keenan shouts, this could get any worse. Yes, it could, is what Kel says as Arthur shows up with the axe, throws it. And what does the axe do? It hits the lock and the lock opens. They're like, yeah, gee, gee, thanks. And then Arthur does not act like an evil villain who's been terrorizing a town for hundreds of years. Uh, like this mythical creature. He goes, oh. <laughs> yes, uh, that's all he says. And uh, they, he rushes, he chases after them. They uh, they go to the car, the Shelley's car. Yeah, and here we have a real kind of just clashing of worlds here. We have the station wagon with the bumper stickers, and then this headless man. Uh, he has his head on, but uh, then he, he has this axe, and he's just chasing him down. 
Yeah, he, yeah, he throws it. There's a really cool shot of it, him throwing it into the tree behind Kel. I, I think this is a good bit. Sheldon's like, you know, oh, where did I put the keys? And Keaton's just like, you gotta be kidding me! They get inside, and then he says, is everyone buckled up? And Shelly's like, let's get out of here, and they do. They start flooring it. And then Arthur takes his head off and throws it at the car. It lands on the hood ornaments. Yeah. And then it looks at them. He's like, ha ha ha, I'm going to get you if it's the last thing I do. Like it's Scooby-Doo. Lady Shelly like says, stop lights and hits the brakes. And then the head falls off. Yep. Um, I, Adam, I think there were better villains in Scooby-Doo, by the way. I do not think the Headless Knight is a great villain. I don't think Keenan and Kel need a villain in their story. <laughs> I know I'm going out on a limb here, but Keenan and Kel, villain, that was, those are the missing ingredients. I think you're right. So uh, the car is driving away, and we see the body of the Headless Knight jump on the back. They see their parents' car approaching. They get out, and they're like, oh, hey, there you are. And the Shelleys are just like, all right, bye, guys. Thanks for the ketchup. And as the Shelleys, like, drive off, you see the Headless Knight's body still is still on their, their car. Yep. How do you think that resolved? It didn't, because this is not very well written. I think they probably just knocked him off and then they kept driving. I mean, they, they know like kung fu and just crap, you know? That's where that ends. Uh, they all hug and they're happy. And Keenan and Kel are telling like their parents uh, what like what happened. All right, where, where are you boys really? Is what they keep saying. At the Headless Knight's house. And they just do not believe them. And Roger's like, okay, fine. Why don't we just go to his house and see for ourselves? They drive there. Roger takes a step outside, looks around. Then he, he hears a voice. And he looks down and he sees Arthur's head in the gravel. And then he gets so scared that he gets back in the car and they say, Roger, it looks like you've seen a ghost. And then he just drives away. By the way, Roger Roger is totally destroyed after being dosed in gasoline <laughs> and struck by lightning twice. Yeah, the gasoline probably didn't help with lightning. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was drenched and poured oil on. He is, he's a destroyed man. Meanwhile, Arthur's shouting at him like, you know, come back. I'll be, pro I'll be good, I promise. And uh, everyone yells at Kel in one final audio clip as the car drives off into the sunset to finish their journey to wherever. To nowhere. <laughs> and that is uh, Keenan and Kel, two heads are better than none. Uh, <sighs> boy. Uh, I mean, it was a very promising TV movie at the beginning, I thought. I thought the first episode was exceptional. It's like, okay, cool. It's funny. It's lighthearted. It's fast-paced. It's got a really good, like, development. It's a little spooky. Yep. So an ingredient that we're not used to having. But then it's those, I think those ingredients get harder and harder to balance as the movie progresses. And it's too, you get too much whiplash between the funny stuff and the scary stuff. I don't think it like, it's super well coordinated. Yeah. And not to mention, there's hardly any closure. I mean, the body of the Headless Knight is still out there. The Headless Knight is still alive and just supposedly just gonna keep killing people like including the chill the kids who watch this and who are terrified of it i mean that's a really good point they don't they introduce a spooky villain and i do remember this being seven years old i'm like oh my god <laughs> the, the headless knight's still out like and about i mean chives and bethel were just like tied up they were no they police the officers cops. were called yeah nothing um, no, chives so is just gonna get out of that and then he's gonna go find the headless knight's body and his head and then Go back Business to killing people. Usual. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And every day for the rest of Keenan and Kel's lives, they don't know if the people that they're going to see is really the, the Headless Knight in disguise as someone else. I mean, if you're talking about sequel series and stuff to do. Yeah, I'm not I'm not revisiting this plot line. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny, though? No. <laughs> if, if, if they did a they did a reboot of Keenan and Kel, and, like, randomly in an episode... <laughs> there's like a villain that fights them into the headless knight. Right, maybe that would be funny, but I don't want to see it. I'd rather them just go back to Rigby's and talk to Chris. <laughs> That's my take on, on on this. Do you have any any final thoughts on Two Heads Are Better Than None? Um, I think I shared most of them throughout the three episodes. Uh, it's a little bit disappointing that that's how our one of our favorite shows ended. Um, it, it just wasn't it wasn't what it could have been. I had so much potential to kind of wrap things up nicely to be a little bit like the um the valentine's day episode right when when charla yeah. and and, and keenan get together um and all the characters were there bye bye keenan part two is got really good energy yep 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 but nothing doesn't doesn't land and it was a little bit upsetting but there were still some classic moments like toast stories and um 
and just Keenan and Kel, you know, saving the day. But I don't, I don't, I don't think they should have gone this direction with the TV movie. It would have been yeah. way better if they stayed in their world, stayed small, didn't try to spoof anything because they already developed a formula that really worked. So I just think it was they they were trying to do this big budget, big blockbuster thing that they can advertise a lot and make a big deal out of and mm-hmm. maximize viewership. And I just think it was kind of shallow compared to what, what it could have been. Like a Merry Christmas, Keenan. I mean, yeah. like that is an episode that's fun. That has a lesson that a lot of heart. A lot of heart. There's no heart in this movie. It's just goofy. And I don't like that that's the direction Keenan and Kel kind of started to go towards the end of, of the season four and really this movie. Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that they had a formula. We talked about sixty two episodes of them having a formula and how they differed from from it, how they went towards it. And the it's all about Ke- you know, Keenan getting into the trouble and Kel making it worse. And this is just them in a situation. Like, I I would not say whose fault this episode was, Keen's or Kel's. I guess Kel took the wires out of the, the car. Right, but it escalated so much. Yeah, Keenan was still being haunted by this, like, ghost night. Right, that just showed up, and then two days later, they were at his house. Like Yeah, and, like, the, I don't see... It was a chance encounter, then a real encounter. And he didn't, like, have any reference to that either. Right, like the night it, they could be like two nights. The one that Keenan saw in the, the in the fields, and the one that he saw like at the like he's like I've been chasing you specifically, Keenan, this whole time or anything like. It's just it's a little disjointed. And I I mean I wish uh, like I wish the night was actually like a small or you know like the Arthur was actually like a small person like who like puts on these like fake heads on top of him and like pretends to be. Arthur or something like that you know like there was an if there was an explanation for the headless knight instead of just this I don't know instead of it being a fantastical reason there's actually something practical like better Scooby-Doo villains what if it was really a Scooby-Doo style plot yeah wait and like there's a real explanation behind this kind of stuff and it was just you know it was them making things worse right or what if it was like one of the people that Keenan and Kel wronged mm. and they were just trying to scare them you know what I mean yeah they do pranks like this on people like all the time. Imagine if it turned out that it was Chris like behind an, an epic prank, right? Uh, of, of of like major proportions. Or like, what if I mean, not saying that that like I would like Chris's Chris to have died at the end of the series. No way. <laughs> but uh, but like, if he was there, like in the in the study, just like in Rockville, like if he made a cameo and then he was just like involved the rest of the episode. You know, like he was almost like one of the Shelleys. Like they filled the role of Chris, but that's Chris's role. Yes, I, I think that's a good point. Uh, if the Shelleys were like Chris and his mother. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like it was Chris and his mother going on a road trip. Like, and then we got to like and in- be introduced to his mother. Or it's like a, a they have a giant RV, and for some reason or another, they're bringing Chris along. What if there was a little bit of closure of like they were sitting at a diner, and then like the the headless knight was like walking towards the window or something like that. Oh yeah, like there was like nothing, that. no closure. There was nothing. It started with them like going on a, a trip, and it ends with them still on the trip. Like it feels like the movie ended early. <sighs> so uh, yeah, go ahead. I did want to point out that uh, one of the Keenan Kel books uh, that that came out, uh, it was released on May first, nineteen ninety nine. So a year and like a couple months before this movie came out, it was called Summer Vacation. In this pl- in the plot of this. Uh, and I, I, just, I just know this because I like read like part of this recently. Roger rents an RV and is going cross country. They're going to visit their grandmother in Florida. And they're stopping by uh, D, uh, Washington, D.C. first. Uh, and Kit Cal sneaks on the RV. And there's a scene where like he's revealed. And like like these are all elements that uh, Steve Holland, the writer of the books, like guessed at. Like, was just toying with, and like, you know, this is, ah, here's what you do with Keenan and Cal on a road trip. I guess one point out is that all those elements are out there beforehand. I don't think, like, what these bits that they did are really unique and fresh, and you can hang a whole film on them. Yeah, and I I agree with that, and great, great point. And I feel like they kind of took, they kind of took the idea from, and maybe this was agreed upon, or, but they they knew those books were out there, probably. Um, And they probably just borrowed the ideas. And so I hope I hope somebody was attributed fairly for them. Uh, Don't get me wrong. The thing I like about this movie, part of me likes how crazy it goes, how how the fact that this exists is is huge. But 
you know, it's not, it doesn't match a lot of the Keenan and Kel energy that we came to grow and love. Yeah, so when we interviewed Mary, like, one of the things that she said was that the production team of Keenan and Kel was a family. And so I just mm. can't help but feel that this made some people upset that they weren't in the big production at the end. Yeah, that's true. You're they're on the road. They're filming locations. Yeah, like it's exciting, and and these people aren't involved. But then Shelly and the Shellys are involved. That could yeah, have been I, Chris. Like that could mm-hmm. have been it could have been uh, Mark Cram and Sharla. Like yeah, you know it it, it could have been uh, Principal Dimley. Uh, <laughs> like it, it could have it it could have been great. Except it just it just wasn't, and so it really kind of just fell short in the whole finale kind of kind of energy that they they should have kind of gone for because this was obviously at the at the end of Keenan and Kel they are the oldest right. they've ever been in this movie so it was yes. at at the very end of them working together with this team and it seems like a lot of the people who were on the team weren't even a part of this movie like the directors the the writers yeah I I don't disagree with you I think that's those are all great points uh, I think um, a couple other this was a trend too for a while if you remember, like, the Drake and Josh movie, Drake oh, and Josh yeah. Go Hollywood. Definitely. Uh, it's very different feel from the rest of the series. There's no laugh track. There's no... They basically become, like, action heroes in, like, a, a heist story. And it doesn't match the Drake and Josh that we know. And the stakes are high. And it's like, okay, yeah. that's cool. Like, make mm-hmm. the stakes high. Make it about something that's, uh, you know, kind of, kind of like, big and exciting. But in this one, it's just, like, goofy. I, I think it's, like, a staple. It's, like, for a movie, you have to have either a destination or a travel. Like, they can't... For some reason, they say to themselves, we can't stay home in Chicago. When I disagree, yeah. that would be way better if you stayed home right. in Chicago. Right, well, and, and you would... Because you kind of have this box, and it's not like I'm on the road, anything can happen. It's like, we're here in Chicago, what's going to happen? We we now have, whatever, 105 minutes to unveil this plot and, and see it develop instead of just these 22-minute segments. Like, let's actually, like, run with it, see what can happen. Uh, historically, they did a good job with this with Good Burger. Right. Good Burger was a sketch on all that. Uh, it was just Kel at a counter, and like they had that one set, and they said, "All right, let's take this and build a whole movie around it." Instead, they said, "Let's take Keenan and Kel and throw them somewhere else." They're doing all these other weird things on the road. It didn't land for me. It really didn't land. Funny moments. I am very interested to hear what our fans have to he- have to say about Two Heads Are Better Than None. Yeah, because I think this is going to be a dis- uh, divisive, uh, but and en- entertaining discussion going forward. Yeah, I think so too. Um... Real quick, speaking of Good Burger, just to add a little positive note in the middle here, uh, did you see that, remember when we saw the the leftover car? Yeah. The, the really sad, junked version of the Good, uh, Good Burger mobile. Did you buy that instead of a house? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> uh, someone bought that for 10k a couple years ago, and they finally restored it. No way. They stuck about 25k into it. I'll get their names right here in a second, uh, but yeah, they have restored the Good Burger car and it's currently sitting in a, uh, in a, what's it, a burger place in St. Louis. Wow. Do you think we could uh, we could contact them and get a ride? <laughs> I'm not sure about a ride. We can definitely see it for sure. That'd be cool. Uh, the the owner's named uh, Mike Johnson. His uh, restaurant's called the High Point. I'm sorry. His restaurant's called the High Point Drive-In in St. Louis. And they actually have, like, merch there of, like, Keenan and Kel uh, as Good Burger characters and stuff like that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. They're probably the, the biggest Keenan and Kel merch <laughs> store on Earth. We, we have to be second from now on. Well, that's awesome. Cool. Good for them. Aaron, on IMDb, Two Heads Are Better Than None has a 7.7 out of 10. Out of 10 bottles of orange soda, how many would you give Two Heads Are Better Than None? I think I'll be generous because we're not going to do a season review and, and ever review it. Um, I'm just going to be generous and say that this episode, this TV movie deserved a seven. Okay. Because while I wasn't a big fan of it, it was still passable. There were still good moments. There were still Keenan and Kel. Um, doesn't justify anything higher than that, in my opinion. I think 7.7 is far too high. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what I would Yeah, I, I mean, I'm... I think I'm. I liked it and respect it. Maybe a, a bit more than you. I mean, I also have a lot of childhood like memories tied into this one, and not necessarily good ones either. I, honestly, I don't think I would like it if this movie was as scary. I think I might have lived a better life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, I'm gonna give this film a a seven point five out of ten. Okay. 
So, you know, I'm going to put it up there uh, a little bit above yours, and I think that falls in line with it. It's not as good as some of the best episodes of the show. Not nearly, but it does beat out a couple of the worst episodes. Yep, that's my score, and I'm sticking to it. I like that. Um, Adam, what's next for Kenan and Kel? Well, uh, you and I, uh, you know, we're, you know, we'll meet up in a couple weeks, I guess. You and I are going to do a series review of all four seasons. We're going to talk top ten episodes overall, maybe top five worst episodes, and, uh, you know, finally answer the questions like, how much money did they waste at Rigby's? That's awesome. Um, do you think maybe after that we could, uh, we could, you know, maybe just put it out to our Fantas. Um, if you'd like to be on a special episode where we talk about with our, with our fans some of, some of our favorite episodes of Keenan and Kel, um, or, or favorite moments from Keenan and Kel, maybe have, the, uh, have some of our Fantas come back on if, if they've been on before or uh, or whatever and instead of just reviewing a certain episode maybe we could talk about the show as a whole with them I don't know what you think about that uh, I think it's a great idea we I think we've got we talked about a lot of possible stuff we talked about making our some of our own episodes we're talking about counting down other top moments from the series uh, talking about Keenan and Kel and like them starring in other like you know properties and, and stuff like that like you know uh, reboot ideas and maybe even the books one day. I think there's a world of stuff that uh, of Keenan Cal things to to explore. Right. Well, here maybe here's what we'll do. So on uh, on Anchor, there's a place to leave a video me- or an audio message. Thank you so much for joining us on this massive undertaking. <laughs> I hope you had a fun time, and uh, I hope that you didn't lose your head. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Until next time, we will see you on the other side. Oh, here it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Keenan and Kel with Adam and Aaron. If you want to stay in touch, send us an email at keenankelpodcast at gmail.com or you can send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash keenankelpodcast. Our social media accounts are all at keenankelpodcast. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks, everybody.